Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm sitting here with Talisee and we just had to go over how to pronounce her name and I'm sure it's something that she gets a lot. And so Talisee is sitting here with me. And Talisee, can you even pronounce your last name for me so I get that right My too? last name is Gara. Gara. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, you know, this is this is something we just need to practice. Talisee Gara. Um, Talisee actually um, has moved really close to where I am, even though we're still meeting over Zoom. Um, and we kind of got to know each other a little bit online, but I would love for her to introduce herself a little bit more, um, to, both to me and to you as you're listening. And we're going to dive into the topic of joy today, which I'm so excited about. So Talisee, uh, welcome to Ready to Thrive Thank and you. tell me a little bit more about yourself. So my name is Talisee Guerra, um, and I am a speaker and an author, and I am passionate about infusing my everyday life with Jesus and helping others to do the same. Um, I have spent a good chunk of my adult life on staff at a church in Lloydminster, Saskatchewan. Um, I was there as the director of children and family ministries for about eight and a half years. And now, as you mentioned, we just recently moved and um, my husband has taken on a position as as a lead pastor at a new church. And so I'm hanging out, I'm supporting him and, and getting to, to be a strategist and a partner in crime for him at the same time as getting, um, all, uh, uh, getting to launch a book and have a baby and move to a new province. And so all kinds of stuff going on in my world right now, but uh, it's all really exciting stuff. I love how you say, you're like, yeah, I'm hanging out. And then you're like, oh, we just moved a month ago. I'm about to give birth in like two months and we've got a little kid. Oh, and I'm launching this book. So you're really not hanging out. But uh, so very busy. Mm-hmm. Um, yet, you know, I appreciate you're doing this this hard push right now, um, especially before you have your second baby in November. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that you have just given birth to is your book joy like a mountain and i'm excited to dive into uh, this topic of joy and you talk about in this book really how there is this joy crisis um in our world and i love how um you you mentioned the world health organization has a study that one in four people will be affected by mental or neurological disorders at some point in their lives it's a health crisis and in many ways a joy crisis and you have this great quote where you say i wonder if perhaps we've arrived at this place as a society because we've neglected the discipline of joy joy is differing um oh that may have been a typo um joy is never natural It must always be chosen and choice by nature requires discipline. Um, So let's just talk about that. 
um, this, this joy crisis. So what do you see in the world in terms of this joy crisis? Yeah. I mean, I, I see it all around me. This kind of started, this journey for me kind of started last year. And, uh, you know, I started just thinking about the idea of joy and wondering, we are, we are a part of a faith that is based on the most joyous news known to man. And yet for some reason, when I'm looking around me, even within the church, I'm just not seeing people whose lives are characterized by this kind of radical joy that really should characterize our lives when we think about what we believe in, what our faith is founded on, what has happened for us and um, what Jesus has done for us. And so, yeah, I just kind of started looking around and thinking like, what, what is going on here? Why am I not seeing more people whose lives are just filled with, with this kind of joy? And certainly wondering, why is my life not characterized by this kind of joy? And so I just started kind of digging into it and spent quite a, quite a bit of time last summer digging into the topic of biblical joy, doing kind of a deep dive study into what the Bible says about it. And uh, one of the verses that I came across or passages that I came across was in Romans 5 uh, verses 3 and 4. And it just talks about how we rejoice in our sufferings. And as a result, suffering produces in us endurance which produces character which produces hope and you know i've read this these verses many times um but i've always just kind of thought about well yeah suffering when we go through suffering we grow in endurance you know and we we get stronger what, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger right but as i read these verses again i i caught that word rejoice because now i was thinking about it from the perspective of joy and realize there's actually this critical connection between joy and suffering that starts to produce these characteristics in our lives. And so if we're, if we're not learning how to rejoice in the midst of suffering, then we're actually stunting our growth in the areas of endurance and character and hope. And when you think about what we need to get through life, when you think about what is required um, to face hardships and struggles, in life, we need endurance, we need character, we need to be making decisions that are wise and that um, are after God's heart. And, and we need hope, you know, without hope, how do we get through life? And so as I thought about that and processed this, I thought, if we're not learning how to rejoice in our sufferings, we're not growing in these ways, this is a crisis because we actually are at a severe disadvantage as we're navigating life without these characteristics. And so um, that's kind of where it came from for me is just realizing, yes, there's this mental health crisis in the world. And a lot of times I think we look at it as because so many people are struggling with mental health, therefore we don't have joy. But I started to wonder, I, want, I wonder if it's maybe the other way around. Maybe it's because we're not learning to choose joy in the midst of difficult circumstances. And that's actually contributing to why so many people in our world today are suffering from mental illness and, and just sadness and sorrow in general seems to be uh, really a controlling factor in so many people's lives. I love what you share there. And I think, you know, we can hear you say that word suffering, and we can think, oh, I just, you're asking me to choose joy when I'm facing the worst thing in my life. 
And I actually think I want to pull it back a little bit and just say, what does it actually look like to choose joy in our daily suffering? So I'm thinking of the things that I, that happen in my life that I bump up against. So let's just say I'm at Starbucks and the order is wrong or I, there's a long line or especially right now, there is actually a lot of weird lineups and things that are going to happen, right? So these just these little things that we're bumping up against. We would never consider that suffering, but our natural response is just to be kind of irritated, frustrated. I even think about bumping up against um, my kids or laundry. And so what is it? I've just found like, what does it look like to choose joy? Because you're talking about building something. Like we're going to the gym and we're building a muscle. And so what does it look like to choose joy in our little mundane sufferings? Because that really actually equips us for then these bigger things that we come against, right? Because if we have not learned to choose joy in those tiny little things, how do we choose joy um, in the big things? So I love all that you really unpacked there. And even I love that concept of uh, the reverse because we don't have the discipline right? We don't have the discipline to choose joy. Therefore, these are the consequences we're living with. Um, at one point in your book, you really, um, you unpack this idea of David in the Psalms and how he had this discipline. And one thing I love, I've actually really been drawn to the Psalms lately. Um, he wrote a lot of the Psalms and the Psalms are this place you can go and you can read about all kinds of emotion, right? Being angry and frustrated and disappointed with God, feeling like, God, where are you? Where's my faith? And I love how you point out that David will often say things like, and yet Mm -hmm. I trust and yet I choose. And that idea or, um, where he really speaks to himself and his, his soul, my soul, um, and he's encouraging himself. And so you point out that fact that David didn't just choose joy once or choose to trust God once. It was this daily discipline. Totally. And how have you had to choose joy as a daily discipline in your life? Oh man, I feel like lately it has been a struggle. (laughs) Um, Getting through the launch of this book and a move and all the things I talked about. I mean, there's been a lot going on and it really is a daily choice. Um, Even just this morning, I was reading in Colossians 1 and um, said, and Paul's talking, he says, now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body, which is the church. And I just, that just jumped out at me because I was thinking like, man, I slept for like four hours last night. I'm exhausted. You know, how am I going to get through this day? And here's Paul. I mean, you want to talk about suffering. This guy knew suffering, just like David. Like, I mean, these guys had some serious stuff going on in their worlds and uh, a lot more serious than, okay, I didn't, you know, get a couple hours of sleep that I normally might have or whatever. Um, the, the Starbucks lineup is too long, whatever it happens to be. Um, but for me, yeah, it has become an intentional practice. It, it has to be an intentional practice because I feel like it can so easily just slip away and you can so easily just fall into that frustration, that kind of, yeah, the day-to-day mundane struggles and challenges of raising kids and living with a toddler or whatever it happens to be. 
Um, and so for me, it has to be that intentional choice. And a huge part of that is just, again, being rooted in God's word. When I read those words this morning, it was the first verse that I read actually. And I was just like, whoa, God, you are reminding me today that I need to choose joy today. This is a choice that I'm going to make. I can rejoice in what I'm suffering, which is really quite minimal in the grand scheme of things, but I can choose to rejoice in that suffering. Um, I've also written a, a seven day joy challenge. And, and one of the days in the challenge um, is all about kind of going through your day and reflecting on the hard things that come up or even just the annoyances, whatever it happens to be, those things that come up and just saying, this is a joy. This is an opportunity to grow because we do grow as a result of those things if we can choose joy in the midst of them. So instead of seeing my hardships as, oh, this is just such a pain. I'm so frustrated. I wish things were different. Choosing to say, no, this is an opportunity to grow. Therefore, this is a joy. Yeah. I was just, as you were talking, I was thinking about how recently we were hanging out with um, a couple, like two friends of ours, and we were playing this board game. And our one friend um, was not doing very well at this board game. And, you know, sometimes when you write off the bat, you're losing the game. It's not fun. And so this poor friend, he's like, oh yeah, I forgot. I hate this game. <laughs> and he was really like, just right away. Like, I don't know if you've ever played with somebody who like right away, they're going down in the dumps. Like, and I, we've played enough with this friend and I'm comfortable enough where I just kind of said, Hey, you need to change your attitude. Like you're, you're actually sucking the fun out of the game yeah. for the rest of us. And so he was able to kind of manage a little bit. And then, um, in our next game, he was like, so sorry guys about that. Um, you know, me being so down in the dumps. And I was like, Oh, I love how, again, this is just another example of it's actually hard to choose to enjoy a game, a board game when you're losing. And that's something we work on with the kids. Like it's just for the fun. We're playing for the fun. Doesn't matter if you're winning, but it's such a good analogy for life mm -hmm. and how it's easy to choose joy. And for me in that particular game, I was cleaning house. Like I was doing so well. So I was like, of course we'd of course have joy. Come on. This is the best. Um, and it was, I was naturally feeling that joy. It's so much harder when it, it's, it's not a natural response. And I think for some people who might be listening, it's actually really hard to hear those words when you're saying choose joy because it is such a hard, hard thing to do. And so whether you're losing at a board game and you're like, no, I'm still going to enjoy mm -hmm. myself playing this game or there is actually something that you're walking through that is really hard and so I love that you started off with that verse in Romans because there's sometimes we need to know the why and that's part of it is the why of some of the why of why we're choosing joy is that we want to actually develop into mature people who have endurance and character we can do hard things and part of that is cultivating that spirit of choice. Um, but why else do we, why else do we need joy? Like why, what would you say joy is really helping us with in our lives? I think for me, it's, um, 
it, it's helping us actually navigate through life because life, I mean, the book that we've been talking about, Joy Like a Mountain, it's based on this idea that life is like climbing a mountain and mountain climbing is not easy, especially if you're not an expert at it, which most of us are not. And um, I think the idea is that, you know, as we're navigating life, joy is actually a really powerful tool that helps us navigate the twists and turns and the difficult terrain and all of the challenges that come up along this mountain journey. And um, so I just, I just think it's a tool. I think it's a really important tool. Um, I talk a little bit about, you know, how the, the fruit of the spirit is God produces it in us. And he's almost like this, um, the, the Holy Spirit is almost like a, a dispatcher who sends out these fruits into our lives to respond to, at critical moments in our lives. And, uh, and, and I think that's what it is. Like these tools are here for us in these moments when we need them, but we also need to be willing to to embrace them, to pick up the phone and call and call 911 and say, Hey, Holy Spirit, I need some help with this. And he's like, I'm on it. Here's what you need. You need joy in this moment. Well, I love that you throughout the book, you have such, such a great analogy of climbing the mountain. And you even in one chapter are talking about um, what sort of tools and equipment we need. And you say that joy is like that Gore-Tex um, jacket, right? Like it's actually can protect us. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also want to clarify, like you're not talking about a, this surface level, um, naivety where you're like, yeah, everything's great. It's not like you're unaware of the challenges of life. Um, but saying I am, I'm still choosing this in this moment. And that is such a discipline. Mm -hmm. It is such a difficult thing to do that will produce so much in your life. Um, and some people, you know, I think I was, I was saying earlier, some people might say, um, they're either offended because it feels like this doesn't feel like a choice in my life, right? Like it really feels hard. Um, the other thing I would say is that we often have these natural responses, right? So my natural response to, um, waiting in a long lineup. So let's just say waiting in. Costco or something or having somebody cut me off while I'm driving or whatever the things might be, um, my natural response is not joy. Um, if something, if I'm waiting on a diagnosis, my natural response is not joy, but I naturally have a response of um, anger or worry or anxiety or fear, other things like that. Um, and I love that you share, you say, we've become satisfied with a new kind of status quo in which stress and worry are not only acceptable, but entirely conventional. Just this idea that, um, that's sort of our, our comfortability, our normalness. And it's, um, how would you encourage somebody who's like, yeah, that is actually my status quo. Like I just worry about things. I'm stressed about things. That's kind of how I operate in life. I don't operate with a choosing joy life. So how would you, what would you say to the person who's saying I'm over here in, in my gut response of stress and worry, but I'd love to be able to learn how to choose joy. Mm -hmm. What would well, you say to that person? And first of all, I would say, I get it. That's, that's my natural response too. And, um, I talk about my story a little bit in the book. I've struggled with mental illness for most of my life. I've struggled with depression, severe anxiety and eating disorder and various other addictions. And so joy has not 
come naturally to me throughout the course of my life. And I think it's interesting that God has asked me to write this book because this is not an area that I should be an expert in. And I'm not an expert in the sense that I'm still learning it and I'm still um, actively trying to live it in my life. And so first of all, I would just say, hey, I get it. I, I'm, I've been there and at times I am there with you, um, but I still want to invite you on this journey with me because I, I think it's worth it. Um, and then, you know, I think I would, I would just encourage that, yes, um, it is a challenge. Yes, it is difficult. And even sometimes reading those verses in the Bible that say things like, do not be anxious about anything um, or, or just cast your anxieties upon God. I, I think sometimes we read those when we're in that place and when this is not our natural response and we're just like, man, that is so heavy. Like, I can't do that. I'm not there. Uh, I've lived in that place and I've just felt so burdened by some of those verses because I feel like I know this is biblical, why can't I do it? Um, I would just encourage you if you're in that place to just open your heart and your mind to the possibility that maybe it could happen. Maybe joy could be possible for you because I've lived so many years of my life feeling like that. That is just outside of the realm of possibility for somebody like me. But when I took the concentrated time and put in some concentrated effort to intentionally think about, start by just thinking about, and then implementing some application steps in my life on a daily basis, God revolutionized my, my life. And not only did he bring incredible healing to me in this area, but he also showed me that it is possible to choose joy in the midst of really hard circumstances. And it is possible to overcome in this way. And, um, and so I think part of it is just coming to a place of being ready and being open to entertain that idea. Because for me, for a lot of years, it was just, I, I just don't even want to think about that. That's way too hard for me. Well, I love that you said that. I was just trying to find this verse that I, um, I can't, I can find in my Bible and not on my phone. Um, and I remember it was January, 2017 and, um, I was in postpartum depression quite badly. And I just remember feeling like the lowest I had felt in my life. And there was a verse that I know was in Jeremiah and I'm having a hard time finding it. And it basically just said, you're going to go out and you will be joyful again. Hmm. And I wrote in my Bible, like January, 2017, just next to that verse, it, and I clung to that promise. So I was feeling, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. Like I was feeling low, I was feeling depressed, but I was like, this is the promise God has given me. And I remember, um, because where we live, we can have many gray, rainy days. And this particularly, particular January had been very, very gray. And I just remember driving in my car by myself one day and um, the sun just peeked out of nowhere and it shone right on my face. And I remember feeling like this was just this beacon of light and hope for me, this little wink from God that was kind of saying like, I am going to restore you. I am going to bring mm -hmm. your joy back to you. And so I love that you just said, um, 
you, it's okay to, um, wherever you're at right now, like what if your joy could come back to you? What if, um, you're not too far gone? And I think sometimes when we've been living without joy for so long, um, it does feel pretty hopeless and helpless. And even that idea of where can I find joy? And you know, the world offers us so many things, like so many, uh, ways to feel happy that always seem to fall short, right? There's all of these little, um, fixes or things. I just remember at that time, people were like, you just need a little more sleep or you need me time or a girl's night or something. And, um, and none of those things really deeply satisfied. Mm -hmm. And so I just even want to speak to that woman who is feeling so hopeless and so sad, um, and joyless that it is, there is possible that the joy, your joy will return to you. Um, there's a moment in the book where you talk about, uh, how for so many of us, we live these safe and comfortable lives. Um, and I think that that actually can be something that we focus on is how do I, how do I keep myself and my family safe? Um, and you know, we, we even talk about this idea of how, um, we have been almost like the Israelites. They've been, um, if anyone is familiar with the Israelites being in captivity and sometimes it's like we have, we've actually been kind of numbed and in captivity, um, to, you know, whatever has been kind of chaining us, uh, our fears, our worries, all those kind of things. And you say how, when the Israelites left Babylon, so they'd been in captivity for 70 years, they actually, there wasn't this, uh, you say there wasn't this like storm cloud or something that came in and swept them up and just carried them back. They actually had to make the choice to leave. And I think that's actually, um, we can be in this captivity of our desire for safety and, um, comfort. And so the idea of leaving that, um, you say we get so accustomed to the chains the enemy uses to keep us enslaved that eventually they become a strange sort of safety net for us. And I was thinking, you know, it's so, it's weird to say that we would find worry, worry comfortable, or we would find fear comfortable or any of those things, but there is something in it where we were able to kind of control or we have a sense of control mm -hmm. with the, those things. And it's actually can make us feel a bit afraid to lean in and to let go. Um, and so I just appreciate all that you shared there is that it's, you know, it, it's not easy. You're, you're also not saying it's easy. Never. So I really appreciate that. Um, anything more you would add to that whole idea of leaving Babylon and yeah, you know, I, I feel like I, it's this, I'm so much of my book is being informed by my personal experience because I've, I've lived in that space and, um, living with mental illness to me, I've always said feels like living in a prison cell. And to some extent you look at life outside of that prison cell and you long for that freedom but at the same time, if somebody came and opened the door and just left it open and you had the choice to walk out, there's a hesitancy and there's a fear because this is what you know. 
and this feels safe because you're contained and who knows what's out there, right? When the Israelites mm-hmm. left captivity, I mean, they, they were going to something completely unknown. Most of these people probably grew up in captivity. I mean, and so what, what is that? What is that unknown? It's, we, we, we see it, we long for it, but then when it's, when it's there and it's an option, it's like, whoa, what, what could happen out there, right? And um, that's, for me, what it has, has often felt like as I'm going through the, the steps of recovery with my eating disorder, it was like, okay, this thing is like ruining my life, but at the same time, I need it. It's like, it's like my safety net. It's my best friend. I'm, I'm afraid to let go of it. Um, and so, like, I, I just, I, I feel like that is, that is reality for so many people. And I think that's what makes it so difficult to let go. And what we were just talking about for, for people who feel like, no, but joy is just too big of a challenge for me. I, I, I don't know if I can, can get there partly because we're afraid of what it's going to feel like to choose joy when we are facing difficult, maybe even tragic circumstances. And so I think um, it, it really comes down to trusting God and learning to trust in God. And, and I think just like the discipline of joy, choosing to trust God is a step-by-step process. And you might not be ready for this huge, you know, leap of faith, but maybe it just starts with the small steps in the day-to-day of how can I trust God in this moment? What does it look like to trust God in this moment? Because I think that joy and trust are inextricably connected. When we, when we choose joy, we're ultimately choosing to trust God. Um, and when we step out of that prison cell, we're ultimately choosing to trust God that, hey, whatever's outside of this prison cell, it, it, God is going to walk with me through that. Um, whether it's beautiful, sunshiny days or it's deep valleys, God is going to be walking with me through that. And so um, I think it's those little steps to learn to trust God. And maybe it's just taking a step outside that prison cell door for, for a day and seeing what it's like. And maybe you need to go back in sometimes, but um, it's a process. And thankfully, we serve a God who who is okay with a process. Sometimes he does, does miraculous healings in an instant. And oftentimes healing happens over time in a process. And that's certainly been the case in my life. And there's nothing about that that is less miraculous or less powerful or beautiful than the instant in the moment healings that happen. And so um, I think it's a process. I think we need to take little steps to choose to trust God um, and to, and really to step outside of our comfort zone. That's so good. I love just all, all that you shared about the process. And um, I think there can be this myth or this idea that women can have that some people have arrived at a certain level of faith or trust, or they don't struggle with things anymore. Um, and then when you come against things, you're like, Oh, what's wrong with me? How come I you know, haven't gotten there? But I love, um, just all that you were saying about that idea of process is that, you know, real life happens to all of us. Mm-hmm. And there are things that we are continually, um, learning and having to let go of. And I think about, um, for me, a huge part of, um, actually letting go of the anxiety in my life was opening my hands to God and saying, 
I trust you with my kids. And the very first time I prayed that prayer, I was like, I don't know if I believe this. Like I, but I'm, I am acting in faith here. I'm opening my hands. I'm telling you, here you go. But I've had to do that again and again. And sometimes where I've felt like, yeah, I feel really confident. I feel confident. Other times I'm like, I haven't felt as confident, but I also know that by holding on to this, my perception of control, um, I'm also holding on to anxiety because for me, a lot of my anxiety did come along with my kids. And, and again, even the other night I woke up in the middle of the night and, um, I, my husband does not understand these irrational thoughts that come in the middle of the night, but this one was like, we'd been at a birthday party. Uh, my middle daughter had been, every time I turned and looked at her, she was having some other, like she's having a lollipop, she's having a chocolate bar. She's just sugar town. And in the middle of the night, I'm like, oh, did she brush her teeth? Like that is not a major <laughs> crisis, but it was this moment of like, oh, I don't know. And, and so you know, your middle of the night brain. It's just so, things are so not rational there. But being able to say, okay, God, I'm just, we can, we can tackle the teeth in the morning. Um, But again, it's that, for me, it's that learning to, I'm trusting again. I'm opening my hands again to all of the things that I want to control, including my kid's dental hygiene. Um, And so I do the things that I can do, the things that are my, my part and my control. And then the other things I'm really learning to open up my hands again and again. And so that was just the other night. And so I just want to encourage women again with that process of, you know, it's never this, oh, I've arrived. And so there's never any fear coming my way. There's never any anxiety. There's never any, um, even this morning as I woke and it's pouring rain here where we live. And for me, that's often been a struggle to have, um, live in a gray, wet climate, but I'm, I know that my joy is actually coming from within. And so, yes, those things are going to come at me and they are going to be hard, but there are, I know there are ways and things that I can do to be deeply rooted, as you said. Um, And even waking up this morning and feeling like I had a lot on my plate today. And I was like, because I have a lot on my plate, I have to start the day in the word. Mm -hmm. I cannot start. It's, it's basically like saying, I have such a full day and I'm not going to eat breakfast. I was like, no, no, no. I have to eat breakfast today. Or I will be, I'll be toast. Like I just can't. And I did not mean to make that <laughs> pun, but I think that's pretty awesome. Um, anyways, that was some of my process of the, of the trusting you. There's a three main things that you talk about that really help us with joy as well. Gratitude, focus, and mission. And maybe we will sort of wrap it up here. So can you unpack how those three things help us find joy? Totally. Uh, gratitude, man, such a great tool, obviously, when we're trying to find joy. And I think a lot of people, there, there's a lot of resources out there around this. And uh, so I don't spend a ton of time unpacking it in the book just because for that reason. Um, but I, I really believe that um, God has designed us in such a way that joy is so healthy for us that he actually wants to train us in gratitude. And I talk a little bit about a story uh, of how he's done that in the Bible. Um, And I just think that what it does is it shifts our, shifts our focus. These three are all connected. It shifts our focus off of our 
themselves and it puts it where it really needs to be. And this is something we've been doing with our, our two-year-old. You know, she's been talking a lot about being afraid because we're living in a new house and she's not used to it. And I'm, I don't like my room. And so we've been saying, well, what are some things that you're thankful for? You know, what are some things that you do like? And let's just shift the focus. So I think that's what gratitude does. Um, focus being the next kind of piece of the puzzle there is just so key because when we're so fixated on the negative things, the things in our life that maybe isn't going right or um, just the the struggles, the challenges, the frustrations of our daily lives, we can just get laser focused on those things. And, and, and then it's impossible to choose joy when we can't look beyond those things. So I think it's really important that we take the focus off ourselves and we put the focus back on Jesus and we put the focus um, on things that actually do, that actually could bring us joy because we all have those things if we think about them. And uh, that's, you know, something that we don't practice maybe often enough, but is very, very important to be intentional about. And then we talk about mission and just being engaged in the mission of Jesus to reach the world with the message of love. And I think that we um, can also easily forget this aspect of our lives as believers. We, we are busy, our lives are full. We have kids running around, we have activities to get to, we have jobs that we need to do. We have volunteer opportunities at church, not right now in coronavirus really, but um, we, we do, we have all of these different responsibilities and uh, it can be, even when you're even when you're serving even when you're volunteering it can be easy to forget what's this all about and remember that this is actually like so cool because god is allowing me to participate in his mission and he's allowing me to come and be a part of what he's doing in the world and that's an exciting adventure and so i i don't think our mission is there for the purpose of giving us joy but i think that it does when we're really actively engaged in it in a meaningful way and um you know paul talked about how the, the people, it was the people who he reached out to and discipled and, and uh, built up in the faith that were his joy and his crown. And uh, we can have this experience too when we're willing to kind of, again, take the focus off ourselves, realize that we have something to offer others. God wants to use us. Our stories matter and, uh, and, and use that as, as an opportunity to serve and to reach out and to engage with God in his mission. And so three simple things. There are so many other great tools that can help us engage with joy in a meaningful way. I just touched on those three. Um, but man, you just read the Bible and you'll find all kinds of great tools in there. <laughs> That's so good. As you were um, talking, I was remembering, I wrote this um, piece of my blog. I don't blog very often, but last summer... Um, I really had a low moment and I really identify with Elijah in the Bible when he um, has this uh, moment where he, he has a really high experience in his life and then he runs away and hides and basically kind of says, God, like, I, I'm done. I'm tired. I give up. And um, it's either first or second Kings 19. Um, and he he complains to God. He basically says the same thing twice to God. Like he kind of cries out, like I'm all alone and this is what's happened. And God 
response to him. And for a while, I kept thinking, I'm so confused by God's response because his response wasn't like, oh, I'm so sorry you feel that way, Elijah. Like I'm so, but he actually, one of the things he does is he, he gives him um, a purpose and he says, well, first of all, he says, you're not alone. Like there's actually all these other prophets out there. So sometimes there is, we need to be in the truth and, and know the truth. And so sometimes when I'm feeling really low, I'll need to actually say, get out loud how I'm feeling to my husband. Um, cause I know that he will tell me the truth. He's not going to give me any pat answers. Um, but he also said to him, like, I want you to go find this other guy, um, who's going to be your predecessor, this guy, Elijah. And so it's, he gave him, um, community and purpose. Mm -hmm. And so as you're talking about mission, purpose is actually really, really important. Um, that we're not, if we are ever just, um, laying around and not, not doing a whole lot, um, there is for me a sense of joylessness in my life. And so over the course of, um, somewhere around like late spring into the summer, as I was walking around my neighborhood, I really began to feel a sense of love, um, for my neighbors. Mm -hmm. And again, um, we've lived here for about nine years and I've slowly gotten to know some of them. Um, but I just felt like, God, what would it actually look like to really, like you said, we can't serve necessarily at church right now, but what does it look like to really intentionally know those people, um, who are living around me? Like, this is where I've been placed right now. This is, um, who I can get to know. And, um, that for me has been, a really beautiful sense of mission and sense of purpose is just being present and available and loving people around me. Not necessarily with a huge agenda or that I have to do something or make something happen, but just what does it look like to spend time with people, invest in the people around me. Um, and that has brought me some joy in this season. Um, you share right at the beginning, Proverbs seventeen twenty two: joyful heart is good medicine but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And I just want to say for those of you listening who have felt that crushed spirit, I think we all um, definitely can relate, especially within these last six months. Um, and so I just pray that you would um, get into the word seeking um, those verses on joy and begin to... Um, Take them as your own, like I did three and a half years ago or two and a half years ago, if I can do math. Um, I cannot do math. Um, this was a problem as I helped my grade four daughter in uh, Corona. Anyways, um, but just to take those promises at your own, if you are feeling so hopeless and helpless that... Um, God is, there's so much in, in the Bible where he, he does want to have us live. I do believe in that, in that place of joy. And so, um, I would also recommend picking up, um, Talisee's book. I really don't want to say it wrong. You so got I it. had a huge pause. Um, I recommend picking up Talisee's book that is out now on Amazon and it really is, um, it's so rich and it is a gentle guide just to um, give you some solid reminders. Maybe you're somebody who's been walking in your faith in a long time um, and you just need a refresher of some truth. Um, or this could be something that's totally new to you. Or you may even be one of those people who's like, 
choosing joy sounds so hard or so impossible. And so she just unpacks it really beautifully in the book. Um, it is joy like a mountain. Um, and where can people find you? I am on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, I've got a website, talisigera.com and uh, would love to connect with you and, and keep having this conversation about joy. That would be great. Well, Talisi, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And I trust it has helped others move one step closer to thriving. Thanks so much for listening today. I really am so encouraged knowing how many of you are being encouraged by this message. And if you have found it helpful, would you mind just sharing it with a friend, leaving five stars or even a review wherever you listen to po podcasts, podcasts, keeping it super professional. Um, if you want to connect more with me, head over to Instagram where I'm at Jacqueline.Widener. Or if you want some free resources, head over to my website at JacquelineWidener.com. <laughs>